to sit. Anyone mind? <laughs> um, hi, my name's Lainey Curran. I'm married to this man for, I don't even want to say, I'll probably get it wrong, long time. 30, I think it's 38 years. <laughs> I know we're supposed to know, and I'm a numbers lady, I'm supposed to know. So we're in our second week. I hope, I am excited. I really love this week. The three approaches, we listen to the preach, we have a devotion every single day, and then in our life group, we unpack it even more. There's so much to learn. I love this week's devotions. Just two, three, yeah, two things that stood out for me. One was in day two, which I think is a good note, that we are looking at these grace gifts. There are other gifts in the Bible. There are miraculous gifts. There are leadership gifts. But we're specifically looking at the grace gifts, which we find in Romans 12. So you can go and investigate those other gifts. That's not what the six weeks is about. And then the other thing was that in week four, I think, yeah, he emphasized the fruit of the Spirit. You can be incredibly gifted, the most wonderful teacher, the grottiest person. And guess what? Your ministry will fall down. It will. We have to focus, number one, on the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, all those things. We need to be growing in that all the time. Again, this series is not about it, but it's vital. So these, these gifts are all about doing, doing. And today's week two is prophecy. Just let me make sure you've all got your books. Okay, so if you turn in your book, you should have, if you look at mine, I filled in last week my preach, and there's from my watching the video, and now if you turn over, there you've got a nice blank page to take notes today, and then you'll fill in that when you watch the video. All right, so that's where we are. It says at the top, gifted week two Sunday notes. And also you've done one to six of the devotions, so you'll be going into, there's only six each week. Have you noticed? There's no devotion today. So it's Monday to Saturday. Our text is Romans 12, 3 to 8. I just want to read verse 6. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith. Have you noticed that we're looking at these gifts, and we'll be right the way through the series, on three levels? Number one, it's a ministry gift. It's a gift God's given us. We need to use it. And when we come to prophecy, some will be more prophetic than others. Some will do it more often, with greater accuracy, and others will be less often and with less accuracy. We also have a natural wiring. God has given us every single human being, whether they know Jesus or not, every single human being has these gifts. The question is, what are we using them for? Are we using them to puff ourselves up and say, wow, look at me, I'm so wonderful? Or are we using them to glorify God and his body and advance the kingdom of God? And when I read these now, think about these characteristics of a person who tends to be, find prophecy easier. There's no excuse. We all got to prophesy. But do you, are you or do you know somebody who is naturally discerning, imaginative, innovative, keen sense of right and wrong, strong gut feelings? Bold, speaks with conviction, not afraid of confrontation, 
speaks their minds and then often poorly received, even if the intention is to help and warn. I told my life group they were liars. My husband did moan at me afterwards. I do tend to speak my mind. <laughs> when I read this list, I thought, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm, that's, that describes a lot of my natural characteristics. Some are not so good. You know, I go on the edge of sinning rather than using them for God's glory. But then, number one, ministry. Number two, natural wiring. Number three, Christ-following commands. I like to, I'm going to analogize it today like a chair. Okay, and you each are given this box. You all have this box. Changed with who you are. Our chairs are not going to be the same. All right, depends on your character. High back, low back, long legs, short legs, no padding, some padding, etc. This is Jesus. This chair is Jesus. He is so comfortable. I can sit in it. I can relax in it. I can grow in it. It's got everything I need. Everything I need for life. We are designed to become like this chair with our chairs. And those seven gifts that you have, have you taken the leg out? Maybe your leg is prophecy and your chair is all wonky. And no one, people can sit in it, but they're not very comfortable. Maybe your chair's got no padding yet because you haven't taken out your gift of mercy. We are designed to, to grow in every single gift. It's a command. It's easy to focus on the ones that we find easy. Look at those gifts that you did that questionnaire. What's at the bottom? You want to grow in that. But today is prophecy. So what about this prophecy gift? My understanding, old understanding, not anymore, was, well, prophecy, you You've got to be a bit flaky. You've got to be weird and rush around in a cape and shake every so often. Thus saith the Lord. Biden's going to lose the election. <laughs> there are people like that, and they're supposed to be. I think of John the Baptist. I reckon people were like, oi, 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 where's this thing crawled out of? Wearing camels, eating locusts. I mean, who, who, who was he? There are people who are called to be prophets. It's not, that's not a ministry gift. It's a calling. It's one of the miraculous gifts. In fact, I call it one of the leadership gifts. Prophecy comes in all three sets. So they are there, but that doesn't mean I have to be like that. I didn't come dressed in my wacky clothes and wear hats and all that. My understanding needed adjustment. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1 says, and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. I'll read that again. Earnestly desire these seven gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Oh. <laughs> no, I don't, I'm not a prophet, Lord. I can't prophesy. This isn't a suggestion. Guys, if you feel like it and you're having a good day and life is nice and easy, then, you know, start growing your gifts. No, this is a lifestyle. All day, every day until... We see Jesus. And I want to say to you today, if you're not pursuing prophecy, I believe today God's saying, step out. 
Step out. Hear what I've got to say. Prophecy is well-timed truth. Well-timed truth at the perfect time. Well-timed truth at the perfect time. It is for the church and it's for the non-Christian. There are many examples in the Bible of places where it's for the church. I just picked out judges. Deborah. Deborah was known to be a prophet. Israel was under siege by the Canaanites, and the head of the army, Barak, comes to her and says, I need you. I need you to come with me to, to do this battle. And Deborah says to them, says to him, before the battle, before anything's happened, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, the road on which you are going will not lead to your glory, for the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Sisera was the head of the Canaanite army, and he's actually killed by a lady with a tent peg through his temple. Sisera did not get the glory. Deborah warned him, told him what was going to happen before it happened. She prophesied to the people of God. But then you think of Jesus, goes to the woman at the well, a non-Christian, living in sin, in a dreadful place. I love the Chosen's portrayal of it, that, you know, that series, The Chosen. She's reluctant. I mean, who are you? You know, why should I listen to you? You're a man, you're a Jew. What are you even talking to me for? You know, she's totally, whatever. And then he starts to tell her about her life. And she opens up like a flower to the love of God. How awesome that we can speak to our non-Christian friends and enemies and colleagues, and anyone who God places in our path, and unfold to them the love of God through prophecy. So I'm going to give us six actions that I would like you to write down. And these six actions, let's do them every single day. The first one is, it's real. Increase your expectation. The first bit of it there, it's real. If you do not believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to tell you, this is not hokey pokey rubbish here. This is real. God speaks to his people. And if for those of you who do believe, I don't know where your prophecy level is. You do. Is it down there or is it up there? Wherever it is, increase your expectation. There is always more until the day you die. I've been a Christian for, a, I don't even want to tell you, but 50 years. And I'm st- I learned a heck of a lot when I was preparing this preach. The word of God is living, active, always teaching us. And thank God for people who own, unveil truth to us, people who've gone before. Just three examples from the word of God. First one is Moses. In Moses number 11, Sorry, Moses, in the book, number, in Numbers, chapter 11. <laughs> Sounds a bit weird. Um, Moses has been leading the people. He's exhausted. They're all coming to him to hear words of prophecy, to hear stuff, to know what to do. And his father-in-law comes and says, you can't do this. You need to appoint leaders. He appoints leaders, and God tells him to pray for them that the gift that he has may be shared amongst all of them. And the people say to him, Aren't you jealous? Because they had a wrong perception. You know, you're the main mother. 
everybody comes to you. Why would you want everybody else to come, to go to everyone else? And if that's our attitude to our gift, it's wrong. It doesn't puff us up and make us all, wow, look at us, I am the prophet. No, it's for everyone. Moses responds to them and says, are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the Lord's people were prophets? Would that all, you're one of the Lord's people, be prophets? But the Lord would put his spirit on them. My prayer for all of us today, we all be prophets. Then you move on a bit in the Old Testament, you come to Elijah and Elisha. Elijah's a great, great prophet. He's raising up Elisha behind him. And Elisha asks for, I want what you've got, but I want double. He has the incredible privilege, and Elijah has the incredible privilege of never dying. He gets taken up in a chariot. You think, oh, yeah, yeah. He does. He gets taken up in a chariot. He appeared at the transfiguration with Jesus. Why? Because he's never died. <laughs> and Elisha watches this. And then in 2 Kings 2 verse 13, it says, And he took up the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back. And he starts to do even more than Elijah ever did. He took up Elisha's cloak. Move to Luke. Luke chapter 24, verse 49. Jesus says before he goes, and behold, I am sending the promise of my father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed. Think of Elijah and Elijah and the cape. You are clothed with power from on high. Who's he clothing today? Who's supposed to pick up this mantle? You know us, Acts chapter 2. And in those last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. All of us can pick up this mantle of prophecy. It's there. Take it up. I hope you're excited. So, second one. Learn to hear God yourself. Learn to hear God yourself. Acts 13, verse 1 and 2. Now, there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Niger, Lysias of Cyrene, Manian, a long-life friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord, what were they doing? Worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Silas for the work to which I have called them. Worship, we've just done it. And we do it all our lives, every day, all day, is an intention to know God. An intention to focus on him and get to know him more. Did, you, did he teach you something as you gave yourself to worship him? Did he teach you this morning? I'm sure he did. I'm sure he reminded you of things. I'm sure he provoked things. Prophecy is then taking what he's told us, turning it into a dialogue and sharing it with others. The root of the word prophet in the Hebrew is navi. Now, navi, the other word meaning for navi is 
bubbling, bubbling. So as you're worshipping, stuff of him, truth, starts to bubble. It comes up, something comes up, and you think, oh. And then our responsibility is to take that and share it with others. Of course, the hard thing is, is it me or is it the God? The God. You will know as you practice. As you step out in faith and someone says, yeah, I needed to hear that. You learn. I've learned how to know when it's Laney, shut up. Oh, God, I want to hear more. Also, I, re- I emphasized it, but number one, they were worshiping. Number one, two, they said, God said, to which I have called them. Not I will call them. He's already called them. When you read the rest of Acts, both Barnabas and Saul are already working in the, wor- wor- in the world of ministry. They're already doing it. But now God, in his perfect timing, is saying, now, now, guys, time to actually go. Set them apart. Send them off. See, perfect timing, truth. But it was there already. It was a confirmation. Often. Most of the time, prophecy is a confirmation, not new information. Confirmation. So I have to ask you, and I have to ask myself, do I desire to hear him for myself? Or am I comfortable to just come to church on Sunday, go to life group, and let everybody else tell me what God is saying? Do you desire to hear him for yourself? John, Jesus says in John chapter 10, the sheep follow him for they know his voice. As you follow him, you will learn to know his voice. We need to pray, God, speak to me. This whole week, even more than because I was preaching, was God, I want to hear you. As I was worshiping, God, I want to hear you. I don't want you to hear what Laney thinks. I want you to hear what God wants to speak in truth to you today. He speaks in many ways, many, many ways. The number one way is through his word, the Bible. That is the number one way. Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, think over what I say. You think, huh, how can Paul say that? Remember Paul wrote most of the New Testament? Think about what I say, and the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Think about what the Bible says. Think about it. The word, most common. But there's other ways. Proverbs 20 verse 12 says, The hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord has made them both. And yeah, he is talking about the physical. I can hear, I can see. Not as good as I used to, but I still can. But there's another depth to this. The spiritual ear and the spiritual eye. So what's the spiritual here, the the hearing ear? You might hear a word, just a word. You might hear a little phrase. But God, God imprints it onto you, and you keep hearing that same word. And so you go to that person, and you might feel a bit stupid, but you say, I'm sorry, but I'm just, whenever I think of you, this is the word I'm feeling. And you tell them the word. It's amazing when they say, I needed to hear that. You've got to trust our God. 
Again, it's practice. Is it me? Is it God? Practice. What about the seeing eye? You might, some people see visions, cauliflowers, all sorts of weird things. But, but when you see something and God, you know it's just not seeing something. I, I occasionally have prophetic dreams. And I had one this week. And I know when it's a prophetic dream because it's not garbled. <laughs> and it's very logical. And I remember it. Yo, it's imprinted on my brain. And I'm praying for talking to a non-Christian f- person. And God showed me now, on Tuesday night, I can remember, I was thinking, oh gosh, how do I, how do I go around this? But it, I, I was standing here, and this person was there, and they were building a wall between me and them. And I realized they're building a wall. They're feeling unsafe. They're feeling they want to cut me off. So my prayers be now, God, what do I do to stop that building and to reduce it to rubble? That's a picture. That's a prophetic word. That's what's happening. And he's telling me so that I can do something about it. Third thing, beware. It's a high explosive. This whole thing of hearing us or hearing God is crucial. Crucial, crucial. Two things you should never say. Never. Firstly, God says, very dangerous. Never say God says, unless you are 100% sure. I'm never 100% sure. What do you say then? I believe or I sense. They know you're thinking it's from God. You don't say, though, God says. That's very categorical. Avoid three things, corrective, predictive, and directive words. I'll say that again. Corrective. You should not be na-na-na. Directive. Go now. Mm -mm. And predictive. So they may be thinking, what do I say? (laughs) He tells us. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. That's the gift of prophecy. Upbuilding, encouragement, and consolation. So we pray to God, God, I want to hear your voice. Is there anything that I can say? That will build up, stir up, and cheer up somebody. Hey, is there anything I can say that will build up, stir up, or cheer up somebody? That's our prayer. And then we won't make the big mistakes. And it's okay when we do make mistakes. Say sorry. Because you will. I've had lovely blupses. (laughs) Not sure what that means, but thank you. Number four, recall the words you have received. Recall the words you have received. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18, Paul writes to Timothy, This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, 
in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you. In accordance with the prophecies previously made about you. That by them you may wage the good warfare. How do we fight this life? How do we fight that our world, Europe, is in turmoil? Russia's on the point of invading Ukraine. Europe's in turmoil. All the embassies are taking their people out. America's removing their people because if America stays and does any retaliation, we will have World War III. What do we do? God, you know what's going on. You know the beginning from the end. I can trust you. What do you want me to do? Pray, Lainey. Pray for the people. Pray for the Christians in Ukraine. I have a book. It's an old book. Because <laughs> you should write it down. You forget. You think you're going to remember. I find sometimes well, someone will prophesy, and I try and write it down immediately, and already I'm like, Tia, what did they say? <laughs> Which is bad. Write down your prophecies for people. It really helps. And you can see it's a bit of a mess. I've got pieces of paper all over it, and I'm trying to get it onto my computer. <laughs> Anyone want to type out all my prophecies? You're welcome. How's this for a cool one? There's a really old card. Best wishes from my mother. We got married in, now you know, we're going to 1984. My mother writes, your first married birthday. So we are 26 and 27. Um, very immature Christians. Prophecy, who knows what that is. Mo Hart had a vision and word from the Lord on your wedding day. Ooh. I quote from Mo. I saw Laney and Terence, I don't know if you remember this one. I saw Laney and Terence before a cross of, of, I haven't got my glasses on, of God. Sorry, I saw Laney and Terence before a cross of gold light. I will bless this family this day as they are beloved of me. Their joy will be full. So when I'm having a rough patch, I remind myself I am beloved of God. He will bring joy no matter what I'm facing. We battle to find, have children. I'll show you the two. We battle to have, find, have children, really battle, going, starting to do all the, fans, you know, the in vitro and that sort of stuff. And I felt pregnant. I can remember my gynae saying, <laughs> the big man upstairs, he was Jewish. The big man upstairs obviously wants you to fall pregnant. He even acknowledged it. I lost the baby. 18 weeks, uh, 16 weeks. Where are you, God? Waited all this time. You've given us a baby, and he's, he's dead. I believe it was a boy. When I was having the DNC and I was in the hospital the night before, when I woke up the next morning, there was a letter next to my bed written by a nurse who I never met, and I hope one day I'll meet her in heaven. But she wrote out this prophecy. And she says, I know you love Jesus. I see your grief and God sees your grief. You will have a child. Despite all odds, we have two children, 31 and 30. 
and we have grandchildren. Prophecy, write it down. It gives you ability to wage the wars. Little caution on our prophecies. I read all the nice ones here. Because I say you don't be corrective, but, but when someone speaks, maybe they say to you as you read the word or something, you know, and you think, I'm not reading the word very much. We must listen to those corrective actions. We must. There's a guy called Graham Cook. He's a great, this is his book. Um, it's called Developing Your Prophetic Gifting. And in there he writes, listen to this carefully. There are no unconditional personal prophecies. No unconditional personal prophecies. Personal prophecies refer to the possibility, not the inevitability. If your response is poor and full of unbelief or your lifestyle is one that continually grieves the Holy Spirit, you might not see those prophecies fulfilled. God, you said, why? Look at what you've been told to adjust. I know I resist some things. We must make adjustments to our lives. If we want what God has said, we can't just say, you said. Look back at ourselves often. Fifth one, deepen your biblical theology. Romans 12 verse 6, when I read it, says, it, I read it from the ESV, and in the NIV, it says, if prophecy in proportion to our faith. But when you look at the original King James Version, and not often has the King James got it better, but I think when you look at the Greek, they've got it better than us. Well, you know what I mean, this version. Where the, prophes where the prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. The proportion of faith. In other words, do you, does it line up with biblical doctrine? Does your prophecy, someone once told me many years ago, God has told me not to work. It doesn't say that in the Bible. It says if you want to eat, you must work. That's rubbish prophecy with respect to whoever got him that gave him that prophecy. It has to line up. With the Bible. Has to, guys. Now, the sad thing is, what if you don't know what the Bible says? <laughs> I remember Artie Kendall many years ago at a conference. He was in Joburg. He was at Cornerstone Church. And he said, the sad thing about today is people don't know their Bibles. They don't memorize. I mean, I can sometimes speak to someone and they're like, who's, I don't know, who's Barak maybe? You even heard? I've never heard of Barak. Maybe you've never heard of Barak. Read your Bible. <laughs> Read your Bible. We have to know what's in the Bible. Because if we don't, we're going to talk rubbish. The Holy Spirit, hear this, the Holy Spirit is alive, active, very strong, all-powerful. But he relies on what's in your brain. How much Bible's in your brain? Why aren't you prophesying? There's not much Bible in there for him to take out of it. <laughs> Thank God for worship on a Sunday. You hear lots of biblical words in there. If your theology is warped, your prophecy will be warped. 
Now, last year, I listened, I, was watch, I actually watched it on, on um, an app or whatever for a while. But when the whole American elections took place, there was a whole bunch of American prophets, well-known, very respected, highly respected for their gifts, saying Trump will win. Over and over. I listened to it several times. They had a little panel. Yep, yep, yep. This God said, God said, God said. He didn't win. And all these men of God, and please, they are men of God, but we make mistakes. When our theology gets wacky, we get wacky. What's happened since? About half of them have repented. Half. Half have said, we're really sorry. Really sorry. That's the way to, when you make a mistake, you say you're sorry. The other half are saying he's going to be president by the end of the year. There you go. The one guy particularly, in his apology, he says, I acknowledge that I mixed up the kingdom of God with one nation of the world. He became so fixated on one man in one nation that he forgot the big picture. God tells us all the time, Look at the big picture. It's about me. It's about the kingdom of God. It's about advancing the kingdom of God. It's not about your petty little elections, with respect. What's in it for the kingdom of God? Deepen our theology. And then sixthly, sixthly, step out in faith. Step out in faith. If prophecy, in proportion to our faith, in proportion to the faith, it is our faith as well, building our faith, we have to take steps. Occasionally, your word of prophecy will be totally out the blue. Like a really, like, God, I've got to tell this person I see a pumpkin, you know. It can be, it can be, but usually, hear me, It's about what God is like. It's about what he's put in you. It's about what season this person's in and what God's doing in this season. And it's about something to prioritize in their life. That's usually prophecy. I didn't think that. I always thought I had to think of these, you know, out there incredible ideas. And it was a release for me to realize that this is prophecy. Practice in your life group. So guys, pray for somebody. Have a word ready. Chain, all the people in our group are thinking, oh, <laughs> I think I'll be sick on Wednesday night. <laughs> Bus, hold them to it. <laughs> Practice on believers before non-believers, please. <laughs> Wait, just get used to doing it to believers. But we're much more accommodating. Sounds good, Lainey, but maybe, I'll, maybe that'll happen in time. <laughs> That's cool. Final verse. For, no, not yeah, Almost final verse. Isaiah 50, verse 4. This is Isaiah um, speaking about Jesus. But remember, we're going to become like Jesus. We're going to become chairs like Jesus, that people can sit in, that people will experience Jesus, that people will see Jesus, will glorify Jesus. The Lord has given me the tongue of those who are taught. 
that I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. Morning by morning, he awakens. He awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. Guys, my dream, your dream, we wake up every morning and the first thing is, what are you saying? So to link it with our devotional life, link it with it. That's why I know it's hard for us, especially if you've got small children. One stage when I had small children, I was working, I was doing an MBA, I started at half past four. Why? So I could have time with God. What are you saying? And, and not just, oh, thank you, thank you, gobble, gobble, gobble. Nom, nom, nom. Who can I give it to? Who's this word for today? Who can I share it with? Sometimes I don't know, but then somebody messages me, and I know, oh, it's for them. When I was, I'm studying um, Exodus at the moment, and I felt this word for us, for this Hope City Church in this season at this time. It's the time when they're building the tabernacle in the wilderness. And Moses says to all the guys, bring, bring your stuff. Bring your jewels. Bring your, bring your, um, um, Cloths, bring your threads, bring your everything. Exodus 35 verse 21 says, And they came, everyone whose heart stirred him, and everyone whose spirit moved him, and brought the Lord's contribution to be used for the tent of meeting, and for all its service, and for the holy garments. And it speaks about men and women. It talks about women um, yawning. God's saying, do you desire this? Are you moved? Do you want to prophesy? Not just prophesy. Do you want these gifts? Stir it up. Spirit, stir me up. I want to grow. I want to be much better in mercy. I want to be much better in giving. Stir me up, Holy Spirit. Change me that I may bring to this tabernacle, this body of believers. First, and then to whoever else God happens to place in my path anytime. Take steps of faith. Be bold. Let's prophesy God's word, God's truth to a very hungry world. Jesus Christ, we are so privileged. Jesus, I thank you for your chair. I thank you that I can always sit in this chair. In you, I can sit in you, with you. And you have everything I need for life and godliness. You are my comfortable place. And Lord, I pray for anyone who has never discovered the comfort of sitting with Jesus. Because they've never yielded their life to you. I pray right now that you will stir them, that they are missing out on the world's greatest gift. May they not be scared, Lord God. May they yield to the living God, the God who is real, the God who said, I am. And Jesus, I desire, we desire to become the chairs you've designed us. All the different chairs, the multiple.
multitude, as Glennon shared last week, Lord, all unique, a different chair in some way, but usable by God. Show me, God, where I'm weak. Show me where the arm's falling off. Show me where there's needing padding. Show me where it needs stitching up. Show me, God, that my chair, me, may become effective for the advancement of the kingdom of God. Because, yea, Lord, you are coming. And we want to be a bride prepared and ready in every way. Thank you, Jesus, for our time together. In the precious, precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for being here, everybody. Trust you had a good time together. And uh, have a blessed week lies ahead and a lovely life group. May I just say that if it is